It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. And it's a very good evening this Monday evening. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Wayne Turner taking you through till quarter to seven. The show is called Talk at Six with Wayne Turner. And I have guests, regular guests every week, uh, sometimes guest, guest experts. Otherwise, it's community slots. And we just try inform, educate, and sometimes entertain on the show. Uh, last week was our finance slot. Next week is our medical slot which means sandwiched in between is our community slot and straight from the community. And we've had him on the show before. Interesting character, bit of a, a bit of a character, I suppose, maybe an audio caricature, but that is none other than Ray Harkinson. Good evening, Ray. How's it, Ray? Good to see you again. <laughs> Thanks for yeah, the um, Ray and I go back about 30 years, I think, something like that. So if you do hear a bit of banter, I'm not <laughs> insulting my guest. It's just that uh, uh, Ray and I know each other. So the reason we have Ray on the show, and I think this is a very important thing we're talking about this evening. And uh, we have seen with the rise of podcasts, there is a lot of storytelling taking place. And there's a new uh, term they've coined it's called story slams story slams not wrestling it's when people get together in a town hall or in a studio with an audience and people tell stories from their lives random stories and uh, people are entertained sometimes they cry sometimes they laugh a and that's just how important people are starting to see stories now those of us who come from Africa know the African culture is all about storytelling. Uh, history is all through uh, stories being passed down. The Western European culture, people aren't as interested. Maybe it's because they write books and they document things. But I really think, especially in families, telling the stories and retelling the stories. Um, my family is a big storytelling family and um, uh, we all go to the same church. But before we joined, my daughters were at this church and uh, when we joined they said oh so you're Wayne Turner I said how do you know I said well 
your daughters have told every personal <laughs> story in the history of the Turner family. So we do come from a, a family with a rich storytelling heritage. And that's why I'm in podcasting and radio. I love doing interviews and telling people's stories. So what I've done is I've got Ray Harkinson back into studio. And he is a storyteller par excellence. He is eats, drinks, sleeps stories. And uh, we'll talk about it later on in the show. Uh, he's actually uh, written a book telling stories and retelling stories of others. But what we want to do in the show is dig a little bit deeper into storytelling and maybe it'll encourage you, get you enthusiastic to tell your story and retell your story. Because one day when you're gone, it would be great to have either written or an audio and video uh, your story. So your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren can read, watch, listen to it. So Ray, uh, did I welcome you? Yes, you did. I did welcome you. <laughs> I thought I might have forgotten. <laughs> Why is it important to remember stories? I think, uh, Wayne, one of, the, one of the things for me is that, um, you know, my parents never talked about their parents. So with my grandparents, I knew very little about them. All I know is that I came from Norway originally. My Oh, well, well the, the name, Harkinson. Yes, exactly, Harkinson. My, my grandfather was in the Norwegian Merchant Navy, and that's pretty much all I know about my grandparents, you know. So um, as I got older and I wanted to know more about my own history, uh, there was very little available, you know, so I started to do investigating on my own. And it was during that time that I thought, you know, why why do we do that? You know, why do we not pass on stories? And I know uh, my parents' generation weren't that open to talk about stuff that they went through, you know. Um, Especially people who went through the war years. They yeah, no, exactly. Because, you know, obviously for some it was tragic, you know, and, um, and they just didn't talk about it. You know, you were kind of taught to keep quiet and just stiff up a lip and and get on with it you know but um but i my my, my experience has been over the years is that there are many people that are sitting with these stories that need to be told or you hear that somebody's passed away and actually just this morning a guy said to me you know his dad was in the second world war as a pilot and he doesn't know one story about his dad all he's got is a trunk with some of the things from the war and his medals and that's it. That's all he knew about his, his dad. And, you know, I kind of get goosebumps when I hear that because for me it's tragic that people would go to the to their graves with all those stories that are a heritage for the people mm. that come after them. Yeah, it is tragic. I know in my family it's not tragic because, as I said, every single most personal story has been retold by my children and we were in a, in a family gathering and uh, – I'll start to tell a story and everyone says, yeah, we've heard it. <laughs> and my daughters have retold the story many times. I mean, this is even in wider circles and some of the very, very uh, embarrassing stories. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but the, but the principle is, the, the idea is to retell the stories, the yeah. funny stories. I've got stories that go back a couple of generations that from our parents. And we yeah. remember those. So my, my mom died a couple of years ago. And all of a sudden, I'm in a situation, I think, I must just ask her, and I realize it's gone. Mm, and absolutely. I think that's the reality of, of it, is that people leave this earth, and absolutely. you don't have the… Absolutely. And and I think for me, Wayne, is it, it has to be an intentional thing. You know, we in, in the, the life that we're living today, it's so busy, and there's so much technology that to sit down and create those um, 
those situations that you actually tell the stories. But you've got to be intentful about it because see, there's so much, so much against you in doing it. Mm. The way that we live today, you know. So you've got to. Uh, your your experience is a fantastic one that you had a family that did that. Mm. But a lot of people don't come from families like that. You know, where it's not natural to mm. just sit down and tell a story. So you you've almost got to create that atmosphere that makes it. Um, easier to tell the stories within your family because then it will spread to others as well. What I think is important is that people need to, uh, like you said, be intentional about it. I've written, I'm 80% finished with a an autobiography and it, it covers a lot of my life, but it's called uh, Walking on Quicksand, mm. the memoirs of an apartheid police officer. And I wasn't involved in anything bad that's major revelations. Mm. It was just what life was like under apartheid in a, and in a system. And mm. it's very, very informative and funny mm. in parts. But I doubt I'll ever publish it. <laughs> I, I doubt I'll ever want to have it in paper. I might podcast it at some mm. stage because I love audio. Mm. But the the file is there and a rough draft for my children one mm. day to hand to their children if I'm not alive and, and say, well, this was your grandpa. Absolutely. Read read about it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's some really funny bits. Yes. Uh, but it's just that, that intentionality. I did it. Someone yeah. inspired me to write. And I did it. And now there is a written uh, history. Yeah. And as I get older, I'm going to do more audio. Yeah. And, and just maybe a bit of video as well and sort of hand down stories as a legacy. Yeah. But, you know, Absolutely. key with what you're saying is the inten- intentionality. Yeah. I mean, because it's, it's important to retell yeah. them. And, and, and Wayne, the second thing that's connected with that as well is that whole thing of um, – you would use the word authenticity mm. um, by by writing it down, you know, and that's my own, my own experience. Um, when I wrote my own book eleven years ago, and it was basically my autobiography as well. But my other son said, "Dad, why are you writing your autobiography when you're fifty five? Do you think you're going to die?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so I said, no, I'm not playing. But that's when you're healthy enough to write it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sorry, that's when you remember it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. As you get older, it's harder to remember the stories. But but the the fact is, when you do that, you know, and um, and if you're in the right environment, that's what I said about being intent, you tend to be more authentic, you know. So we a lot of us walk around today with masks. Mm. You know, so if you even on Facebook, you know, you look on Facebook and you see people writing all these wonderful stories about things that happen in their life, but inside there's a whole lot of other stuff happening. And I think when you get to the point of being in an environment that you can't talk with people that you feel comfortable with, mm. then you become more authentic, you know. And that's what, and writing a, an autobiography, for instance, you can write whatever. And, you know, you, you're kind of thinking, well, I'm going to be gone <laughs> when they read it anyway. So anything I've written, if they're angry with me, it's too late. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, revelations. Exactly. Yeah. And, and even, you know, when I wrote mine, Wayne, I think um, I've always been a quite a, an open person, you know, mm. so I don't, what you see is what you get. But even for my wife, when she read my autobiography, she was quite shocked at some of the things I'd written, you know, because you think you've told them. 
mm. but you haven't, you know. And then you just get to a kind of a phase where you, the more you tell story, the more authentic I think you become. You know, it's like that thing. You know, when you lie, you've got to find another lie to cover, to it, cover up. it. You know, but if you're being authentic, you know, it's, it's kind of it kind of brings more authenticity out of you, and that's when I think people really get to know you. So the sad thing is, it could sometimes only happen after you've gone. Mm. But people will actually understand that's a real me. You know, we we we've seen even very well known actors and who who take their own lives. And Robin Williams is one that comes to to, to point. You know, he he spent his life making people laugh, and and he committed suicide. You know, and you kind of say, well, what what happened there? Mm. So there was another side of him. You know, so that people and often. Very often, the comedians cover up a lot. Absolutely. You the know. extrovert covers up a lot. All that uh, froth and bubble and noise is often covering Absolutely. it up. What are we covering up? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's what I say. You know, sometimes it's, there's almost a society is like that. You know, you can't be too open mm. because if you are, um, you know, there could be repercussions to that. But for me, it's like uh, maybe it's because I've got to that age, Wayne, that I really don't care. <laughs> you know, when, you what can't you hear, hear what they say. No, I can't. I can't <laughs> what, what I say, that's what it is. You know, yeah. and uh, what, whatever I say on Facebook or on like this or face to face, that's that's who I am. Let's explore legacy. How does this uh, telling stories tie into uh, leaving a legacy? Because I mean, I use that comment when I put a memorial Facebook post about uh, my mom or my dad. Mm. I mean, I am who I am because my father. Mm. I've forgotten all the negatives, but there were such strong positives in what I do and. Uh, a lot of the people I help, I learned that from my dad. He always used to do that. So it's yeah. like second nature. Yeah. So we leave legacies. We become often the person who's who's now left us, if it's a close family member, yeah. mother or a father. But how does telling stories tie into that legacy? Um, I, Wayne, I think it's really important because um, the thing of legacies, I think often people think about money. You know, when you talk about leaving a legacy, it's okay, what am I leaving for my kids? And it's often material things. With, um, my, with me, it was definitely not. No, mine wasn't. <laughs> mine wasn't either. You know, it's, and, and my kids know it's not going to be there. Yeah, we all know it's not going to be there unless <laughs> yeah. something you hit the jackpot yeah. or the lottery. But, you know, it's kind of, I, I, I guess it's me again that I'm thinking at the end of my life, you know, um, whatever I leave behind, my kids are going to, they would have experienced what they've seen mm. and or what they've heard from me. You know, so the more authentic I can be, the more the legacy that I believe they can follow that legacy. You know, they're not going to do the same as me, mm. but they've got something as a yardstick, you know, to say, that, oh, well, that, that's who my dad was, you know. And I, I kind of look at it and think, you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of people that came before me. Mm. And that's my dad, and even my granddad, who I didn't know. He was Sounds like you've been listening to Murray Kilgar. I haven't actually not <laughs> for a while. Standing on the shoulders, the giants. I think that's one of his things. Yeah, I know. and and I really believe in that. You know, in, in the book, in the book that um, I'm busy with at the moment, or just finished uh, writing or compiling, that's very much the the thing that's come through. The theme of, you know, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the people that came before us. Right. And how do we get to know those people if we don't hear their stories? So, so is, that the, is that the tie into legacy? I mean, yes. you, you're leaving a legacy behind. Uh, uh, your dad left a legacy, yes. you, you know, but you didn't know much about that legacy. No. So what you're saying then is storytelling or, or 
not storytelling, but recalling or writing down, rec- recording those stories is, vi- is a vital component of leaving a legacy. Correct, because then I think we've got a bit of a link with what that legacy is. You know, so if people ask me about my dad, there's certain things that I can say, well, this is who my dad was from, from me being with him. Like going to play cricket, you know, we've always been a sporting family. Mm. And I love every time he went to go play cricket with his mates, I'd be a 10-year-old with my kid with me, hoping that somebody's not going to rock up. Mm. You know, so my experience with him was that. But in terms of knowing my dad, the man, Mm. I really didn't know him, you know. So, um, yeah, for me, it's a bit of a sadness in that as well, you know, that I think the more we tell about ourselves – the more there is for that person to have a connection with their legacy that's been left behind when you go. Yeah, because I, I remember doing a, a Youth of the Mission Discipleship Training School, and there's a part when people have uh, to look in their past, and they, they need healing from mm. memories and stuff like that. And uh, I went through this whole thing trying to think. Eventually, I wrote a letter to my dad apologizing for what I did because the, the legacy had, that he was leaving there was nothing that he had done to me or said to me. I can remember a couple of little things now, but there was nothing that did any damage or left behind. He was a tough guy mm. as well. It wasn't mm. like he was, I mean, he was a backslidden Christian up until mm. my age of 15. Then I got baptized and he got scared. Yo, my son's making a commitment to Christ. <laughs> yeah, I'm backslidden. And they something. both went to the front of the church. <laughs> but the the thing was, is that um, you you see what they model. Mm. Uh, I could sit in church and see all the different things my dad had paid for. He mm. didn't know that I, he was a, he was an anonymous giver. He wouldn't let anyone yeah, the left. Yeah. But I'd overheard my parents talking yeah, and yeah. stuff like. And I could go, and that created in me the desire and joy to be like him and give. Yeah, you know, Absolutely. that's part of my life now is giving. No, I'm not trying to yeah, blow yeah, my own yeah. trumpet or, or ego, but I learned I learned that. Yeah, because of a of a legacy. Yeah, now being able to document those stories and put them down for his great-grandchildren or great-great-grandchildren is part of the legacy. So what you're saying is by leaving a legacy, it's incomplete if you're not telling those stories. There's there's a link that's missing, you know, in the chain. So the legacy is there, but the the thing that makes it up, you know, the link link that – yeah, it's almost like a missing link. And so it's like for me with my grandparents, that's a missing link in our – in, in my heritage, you know, I know where they came from, but that's it. You know, they came from Oslo, and that's mm. about all I knew, you know, so. Yeah, but the, but the thing is that if you've got those little, I don't have a huge amount my, about my grandparents. Mm. I know they're great-grandparents. They lived in my grandparents' home with my parents, and my dad told me of a, a little hammer. My great-grandfather had put sweets in a piece of paper and hit the hammer and them break yeah. them up yeah. and he used to listen to broadcasts of the Second World War and track where the ships were. Now, it's a few stories but yeah. still there's something I've got there. There's something, there's a yeah. connection back to that and I think yeah. that's what you, you, you're trying to encourage people to do yeah. is to create those connections backwards Absolutely. in generations and you can only do that if you've got mm. some sort of record. Absolutely. So my kids will tell you, you know, I'm, I'm known to be a talker. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, so my kids will tell you, you know, sometimes they, you know, you see the the uh, the eyes raised, and because I'm going to tell a story, you know, and it's like, but I kind of look at it and think, you know what, the, they'll walk out the room if they really don't want to hear the story. But in time to come, they will recall that story. You yeah. know, so something will trigger something and say, no, I remember my dad talking about that. You know, and at the time now, it may not mean anything. 
Mm. But in time to come, those that that puzzle I was talking about, you know, I think it just brings those pieces together. That kind of makes you more complete mm. as a person when you understand. Yeah, your parents or, you know, people that were before you. Mm. So, yeah, for me, uh, I think it's absolutely critical to have a fuller picture of who you are as a person. As Africans, those of us who born and bred in Africa, we, especially from the white community, as I alluded to at the beginning of the program, we we aren't naturally this. But uh, in my experience in Natal growing up with Zulu people, and I presume with you in uh, Rhodesia, growing up with Shona or Matabili or whoever the closest yeah. were, there was a lot of storytelling. How, how has that influenced you as a storyteller going back in your uh, relationships with uh, other other African people? Uh, I think it's had a massive impact on me, Wayne, you know, because uh, I've often talked to people and saying, I feel like a schizophrenic African. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what I mean by that is there's a side of me that's very time conscious and mm. very uh, detailed. You know, I used to be a pilot, you know, so those things are important, you know. Mm. But there's another side of me that I could do away with all of that mm. and just sit under a tree and listen to people tell stories. Or Absolutely. Tell story. I, I think Afrikaans people, mm. uh, especially in the the maybe, – maybe not, but if, if you go to a, a braai with Afrikaans people mm. – Stories are just don't stop. No, so I absolutely. think it's inherent in 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 all of us. It's just that some of us need it need to have it drawn out when it's not a natural the the, the oral history oral a u r o what's it oral yeah hearing <laughs> yes. I must get it right. Uh, too many people <laughs> listening to this, but that history that's handed down by certain. or most African cultures that's mm. the history the, the the earlier history. I mean, all the Shaka Zulu. History mm. is not written down. Mm. Some of it is w- yeah. with Peter Tief and the guys, but it's all, uh, all uh, history that they've listened to from older people and older people and tell the stories. So we, we do have it. Yeah. And maybe that's the encouragement yeah. with you as to we, we need to tell those stories that we know. And yeah. when, you, when you verbalize something, it re emphasizes in the memory. Yeah. And and like I said to you, Wayne, about the thing of intent as well, because um, you definitely have to make space and time for that, you know, to, to actually tell the story. Because otherwise, we'll just carry on with our lives and we won't do it. We've literally got to stop. <laughs> yeah, there's many things in our lives we say, I must do that, I must do it. Yes. 20 years later, I must do that. Yes, yeah. And I think you need to be, I think at the beginning of this conversation, yeah. your words were intentional. Yeah. You need to have intent to, to do these things. Absolutely, <clears throat> yeah. Now, we're in a very... Uh, fortunate generation uh, with all the tech and, yeah. and and the like. I mean, you've written paper books. I think I last read a paper Bible 15 years ago. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah. I'm very much an iPad pocket PC guy yeah. and I like to have my theological library in my, yes. on my iPhone and I do have, you yes. know. But, uh, you know, we've got a host of different not a host, the mm. number of different ways we can record. How how do you see that and how has it impacted you? I mean, you're a writer and you do you are mm. doing paper, so you are a paper guy, but the, mm. the other forms. No, okay, so well, one of the things that I did, Wayne, that I didn't do with my first book is the, the book that I've just been doing now is a compilation of many people's stories, up to 300. And uh, I've done it in an e-book this time, which I never did with my book. 
Mm. And so that makes a big difference. You know, I mean, in, in fact, it was interesting because you get lots of advice when you write in a book. <laughs> from other people many of them never written a book before <laughs> and that's life eh? that's people, yeah, give it, people will give you advice and, and they've got no experience that kind of throws me you know because I have this thing that I, I won't go and tell somebody to do something when I haven't done it you know it's like <laughs> but, but they are you know that's awkward yeah so, so anyway so one of the decisions yeah that's what I wanted to say with that it's somebody had said to me who had written a book of their own and they only did a printed copy and they said to me don't don't do it in ebook because then nobody's going to want to buy your printed book. And you know, and I chose to to disregard that. And from the start, we've had an ebook and a printed book. And right now, as we stand, we're probably on an equal mm-hmm. in terms of how many printed books have been. Um, and that's we only launched on the nineteenth of December, so it hasn't been going long. But literally, they they keep in pace with each other, you know. So, um, and somebody's asked about. Um, uh, audio audiobook mm. so i believe there's a place for that because you know some people they have problems with their eyes or you know it's, um they they can't read screens so they want to hear it uh, right and and today in our society it's a lot easier to listen while you're driving you know and just listen to a story like that so but it, uh, let me maybe mm. clarify my point a, mm. a little bit more the ability we have of recording stories okay you've chosen the format of of paper and doing it on behalf of people. I mean, yes. the, the, the major uh, form. But people don't, they don't have to do that. I mean, they can write it down. I mean, I've typed mine out and it's sitting there. It's never going to be yes. published on paper, but it's there. Yes. But then you've got audio and video. Absolutely. I mean, are, are you exploring those media? Uh, definitely, Wayne, because of the, the, you know, even the story, some of the stories that I've got, it's actually, people just said, look, I'll never write this down. So I said, well, then just read it to me. You know, then you record it, and then then you know, nowadays with the te- technical stuff we got, you just take that and put it onto a word document, computer in your pocket. Exactly. You know, so um, and and the other thing has come out of this way, and that I did not know. You know, I started this in June, and it was basically because people were saying, you know, um, and we're talking about redesions. You know, and I know you and I had a discussion about whether it's extradition or redesion, but. Many of these people regard themselves as Rhodesian. You know, they mm. may live in Australia or England. or um, And uh, one of the things of that is they said when they started to tell these stories of that time, there were two responses. Either people didn't believe them because it sounded too outrageous. Or um, why don't you go back there if it was so good? You know, so people, what happened is people started to become silent about their stories. And I, I heard that, and, you know, I just think everybody should have a voice. Mm. And when I heard that, I said, no, well, then let, let's create a platform that people can tell their stories in a group that understand. It's not about the p- politics of Rhodesia, no, Zimbabwe. No, and, and you'll see, I mean, you know, when people get to read the book, the, the, what you said earlier about, um, about, hilarity there's from tragedy where there are a couple of stories it's not a war story book mm. so you know there have been many stories written about Rhodesia that are military stories and or political stories that is none of those mm. it's, it's very much a conversational book as if you sit in in a restaurant and people are having a conversation in fact two of the chapters are like that we have got like 10 people having a conversation about hitchhiking you know, so one guy told a story about hitchhiking, and next minute all these other people, you know, came in on the conversation, and um, so it's very much about it was, and every 
day Rhodesian, living in Rhodesia, and how did it affect them? You know, so from, like I said, from absolute tragedy right through to absolute hilarity. And what's happened is I, I found on the group's now grown to about 5,700 people. And what, what I'm finding is people are now telling stories that they've never, ever told in their lives before. And then the audience, the, which are people that live there as well, they pitch in and say, no, I remember that. And then they tell their own story. You know, So what it's doing is it's just creating this safe place. Yeah, I mean, being a South African in Natal and in Pretoria, uh, we always called Rhodesians Wenwees yes. because the story was when we, when we, when we. Exactly. And, and as you're saying, it became a negative and people Absolutely, people closed yeah. up. But uh, Feltskun without socks, we used to identify them in Peter Maritzburg, all the guys that came <laughs> from Rhodesia to the university. So there's lots of uh, funny stories about that. Yes. But do you think that it's important? And I think that's basically what mm. you've done with this book, creating a platform, whether it be a book, a podcast, a video, whatever it might be, for people to tell their stories. Absolutely, uh, it's absolutely vital, to, uh, Wayne, because of that very thing. And you know, let let let's disregard a country. Yes, but we may have a particular subject that we want to talk about, but we don't we don't find a space that we can talk about that. I mean, like Facebook is the worst. You know, you put a comment on about something to do with COVID or... <laughs> and 50 people judge and, you. Yeah, and, and, and they don't even know what your heart is with that. You know, so for, for me, I think it's absolutely crucial um, that people find a place, you know, that uh, they can feel comfortable to be able to say something. And somebody may disagree, but that's fine. You know, we don't all think the same. We don't all have the same values even, but we do have a place that we can at least say what we want to say truthfully and know that you're not going to get judged for it or ridiculed or so uh, your first book and this now are, are part of a personal storytelling journey mm. but it's become more than that as we have, we've just discussed do you see yourself as well print would be doing another book of stories creating a podcast or a video series telling stories interviewing people because I know a couple of years ago you had this desire f yeah. for uh, st telling the stories of people and yeah. you know uh, I've got to be honest I wasn't sure it would ever happen yes no, I, <laughs> I'm sure I, lots I, of people would be like that because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> COVID for you is an up and down journey you know from uh, nothing to more nothing to a little bit uh, it was it was tough times but yeah. do you think you, you your journey forward is going to include more platforms to to help people Why and, and not, not i mean this was just yeah. Rhodesians but yeah. I mean there's you've got a wide circle of friends that are not from that part yeah. of the world do you think you're going to do Wayne, something I'm, I'm absolutely you know it's, it's so interesting that you referred back to that you know because uh, obviously I, I've got this whole platform called uh, Our Legacy Journey mm. and you know I've been you know I think I interviewed you on that yes yeah and it's a passion of mine you know about legacy and um, and just this morning my son who's been um, with me all day he's helping me with distribution of the book I actually said to him this is the first new year Wayne in three years that I can say I'm so excited about tomorrow being mm. the new year and it's because of that because what this has done it's opened up all sorts of things you know I've got people contacting me now about all sorts of different types of stories and you know I was a tour guide as well well I still am but obviously we haven't haven't guided too many people in the 
But um, thank you, what, Boris Johnson. Yeah, yeah exactly. What, what, what about tour guide friends who, um, who you know, she regards herself not as a believer in 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 Christ as I do, but she bought my first book and she absolutely loved it. And it's all about my conversion. Um, and now she saw this book and she bought it as well. And she said to me, um, she loves how I tell story. And she said, you know, you should do a book about tour guides. And I said, you know, the funny thing is, I had this this um, thing in the back of my mind that I'm going to tell a story as a newbie, 62 year old uh, tour guide. And so, I, I do believe it's not going to just be a printed form. You know, people want to talk when you know. Mm. It's like um, I, I really believe that. I think inside, people have a desire to express themselves, and we've been made like that. You know, we've been made with a voice, and whatever means there is. And today, we've got no excuses. You know, there are so many different means that we can do that, that we can tell stories. You pick up a cell phone, you can immediately create audio. Absolutely. And all of my messages are always too long. <laughs> Whenever I speak to anybody or send a message, you know, I could probably do it in one line, but <laughs> it can't just be one line. And, but with, with speaking, that's mm. a beautiful thing. You know, you like this, we can do a bot- podcast in 40 minutes or whatever it is. And that thing could go forever. Well, the instantaneous, I mean, this radio show, we sit down, it's 40 minutes and it's ready to be distributed. That's the society with the right equipment that that we're in. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, maybe in the future do a podcast about some of these things. Because I mean, part of an interview process is to let people tell their stories and and bring bring the stuff out of it. You know, even with this discussion we're having now, bringing some heart and some uh, feeling. So let me just tell you one thing that, again, there were a whole lot of things that's come out of this. You know, I'm going to open a a gap for people to tell stories. And one of the things that we do on the Facebook page is that I've started a – I call it a, a, a pop-in cup of tea chat. It's a, it's a long thing, but basically that was very um, prevalent in the Rhodesian society is that you didn't phone anybody to go and have tea. You just arrived. You know, and then you go and have tea and the next minute you're having supper, then you're playing cards. And I can remember being dragged by my parents at three o'clock in the morning from what was supposed to be a tea time visit. So what I've done on the, the site is that I choose people who may be willing to do it. And I actually do a 40 minute chat with them. And then I broadcast it onto the group. So people, and I've, there, there are a couple of ladies that say to me, what happened last week? I, I had my cup of tea ready and I was waiting for the chat and you didn't arrive. So, you know, again, and, and people that were very shy, Wayne, and there were two sisters that I didn't interview with, that they were petrified to do this. And, you know, at the beginning it was very stiff. And now what these two, they were orphans growing up in Rhodesia. What they're doing now is they're actually uh, writing a story together now and compare notes because you know they got separated as orphans mm. and they're comparing notes about their lives and now they're writing a story about growing up as orphans in Rhodesia you know so that excites me to think that it's a catalyst to let people tell their stories absolutely and, and guys uh, I just want to make it clear the show is not to promote the book no the, the sh- the, this is just a, a, an amazing platform about storytelling and it just so happens that uh, this is what's happened. I just opened the book and it fell out this chapter and it's called Ach, Please, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> I have the original 45 from yes. the early 1960s of Ach, Please, Daddy. Yeah, I think it take was James. To, James um, uh, no, no, it was uh, Taylor. Um, Taylor, yeah. Uh, what's his first name? 
I thought it was James Taylor. No, 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 no. Uh, Jeremy Taylor. Jeremy, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, this chapter starts off, Ach, please, Daddy, won't you take us to the drive-in? All six, seven of us, <laughs> eight, nine, ten. And so he did. We lived near Mabel Rain Drive-In, and the folks would take us in an old Ford console, I remember those, with bench mm. seats and a column gear shift, ideal for squashing up with all the other kids in the neighborhood. As I'm reading that, that story is takes me back to 10 James Niven Road. The f- my dad let me play on the record player was at four years old. That was high tech at that stage. <laughs> I think I actually put that in my book. But Ach, Please Daddy was like that and uh, Jim Reeves records. <laughs> yes, yeah. We're dating ourselves now. Yeah, we are, yeah. You know, the memories it brings back. And mm. so I, I think that is what is so important mm. about uh, telling stories, recalling stories. Mm. And I mean... They don't have to be, I mean, many of mine that my children recall to other people are embarrassing. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I think the, one of the elders of the church a couple of years ago, it was my birthday on the Sunday, and my, my daughters are there. So he goes to the one daughter and said, won't you tell a funny story about your dad? Then he told me later, he, he thought, oh, no, <laughs> it's going to happen. The story she chooses in front of the church is me chasing robbers in my underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, th- it was very, very funny. It was mm. a close community of people at church. It wasn't really yeah. embarrassing, but that remains in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. And and eventually, you get a reputation. There's mm. always a story from the Turners. I'm yes. sure with the Harkinsons, there's always yes. a story. Yes. And I think we need to somehow spread that because lots of people have amazing stories. Yeah, and we, absolutely. And we tend only to use. Highly spiritual testimonies at church. Oh, God did this. God yeah, did yeah, that. Yeah. You never hear the funny or the or the tough times when yeah. you were in missions or or you know what happened. You know, but we need to hear all of it. Absolutely. So so going forward, we've got a few minutes left. Yeah. Going forward, how do you see this storytelling growing in in your, in your circle and your area of influence? Um, well, you know, first of all, when the my area of influence has increased dramatically. As a result of this, you know what I mean? Because uh, the, the whole COVID thing, we talked about it, mm. it closed me down, you know, yeah. personally in that, um, you know, I was very aware and uh, tried to follow the rules as much as possible. So I was, I very much was at home and then I got COVID myself and I was quite ill with it. And obviously it put an end to my, my guiding for that period of time. And so I tended to introvert a lot, you know, but then what happened is, because of this, I'm suddenly now meeting people that are um, have become friends mm. just because of that, you know. So, um, I, and and I've, what I have got is that I've had people saying, you know, I've got this story I've been wanting to tell, but I don't know how to go about it. Right. So, yeah. Now, if someone wants to contact you with a story, yeah. As you said, this book is not a political book. It doesn't. Yeah. Uh, uh, make Rhodesia glorious. It's just a group no. of people who love their country and Absolutely. still remember it. If someone wants to get in contact with you, how can they do it? Do you have a website? Uh, we do. Um, um, I may have to spell the website, uh, Wayne, um, but it's uh, obviously the www and then it's Rhodes, R-H-O-D-I-E-S, untoldstories.com. RoadiesUntoldStories.com yep. and you'll find that on Facebook as well. Do you have a contact yes, number? Yeah, um, yeah, my contact number is 
Right. Uh, we've got a few, um, uh, less than a minute left. Um, but I think maybe a catalyst, pick up some more stories from the show, but also t- getting people to tell stories yeah. about their lives, about their families' lives, and, uh, you know, being able to have good memories. It's all about memories and legacy. Absolutely, Wayne. I mean, uh, probably the biggest thrill out of all of this, you know, I mean, I know people think if you've written a book, it's something special about writing a book, you know, but it's actually that for me is not the bottom line. The bottom line is that I have become a catalyst to let people tell their stories, you know, mm. and, and if, if if that's what I take to my grave as a legacy, mm. that I've got people to tell stories, I'll be a very happy man. <laughs> well, the Bible is a lot of stories, real yeah. stories about the lives of heroes. Absolutely. Many, many stories. Uh, I mean, true life accounts. I mean, yeah. we, we're not talking about fables now. We need to say stories. We're talking yeah. about people's lives. Yeah. Well, Ray, it's been a pleasure again having you in studio, and I hope that many people will be encouraged and start telling stories. And uh, absolutely, uh, we've given the details if they want to get hold of you yep. and uh, start telling the realities of life and their families. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Wayne. Thanks for the opportunity. Right, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, Next week, I think, is our medical show if we can get one of our doctors on. But until then, thank you so much and it's goodbye and God bless. could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.